Welcome to the Hot Crime Cold Coffee podcast with Pauline and Angie. Each week we bring you new episodes on Wednesdays and Fridays. Each episode includes our favorite coffee that we're drinking, a missing person spotlight, and whatever case we're currently working on. We also have bonus episodes Monday through Friday, daily cup of true crime in 15 minutes or less, where we share trivia, true crime updates and headlines, and fun facts. So join us. Please be sure to follow us on social media for bonus material. Listener discretion is advised due to sensitive and sometimes violent content. Hey there, and welcome to episode 22, part 21 of the Vallo Daybell case at Hot Crime Cold Coffee. Just a quick reminder, we're going to be on vacation next week, and these episodes are running back to back because of, well, you know, stuff. (laughs) Life. (laughs) I know. Uh, We've got stuff to do, okay? (laughs) I other swear, stuff. sometimes other stuff to do. Sometimes stuff gets in the way, you know. And with your kids, my kids, work, school, drama, whatever, you know, sickness, because we've both had kids with health problems. Sometimes there's just stuff that gets in the way. Yep. So I have to tell you, your kids scared the shit. <laughs> out of me the other day (laughs) oh my lord so I'm laughing but it's not funny like it's funny now it's not funny well it is it's kind of funny now like it wasn't funny then yeah no so all the kids are spending the night at my house and as you guys know there's usually you know a bunch of girls at my house which is absolutely fine I'd prefer they hang out here than anywhere else it's a good habit to have Well, my daughter wakes me up at like five o'clock in the morning, freaking out. Where's Kaden? Where's Kaden? I can't find her. So we're searching all over the house. I send her out in the barn in the snow. (laughs) She's looking in the camper. She's looking in the barn. You know, there's bodies everywhere because I have so many people here and she cannot find Kaden. And I'm like, Neva, did she tell you anything? something I don't know no wouldn't she have like woken me up yeah probably or whenever Caden's at my house and needs to call you Angie her mother she'll come use my phone there hasn't been a single time that she hasn't told me that she's not leaving so all these scenarios are going through my head the first one is Angie's like gonna kill me I lost her her (laughs) well how do you lose a kid at my house okay I'm on 20 acres in the middle of nowhere yes but you know they get eaten by a bear or something in the woods you know how many times I've had to go searching for my kid at your house and I'm like ah I'm like are you even home and you're like no I'm like where are they I don't know no one's answering their phones well they they like to walk in the woods which is fine but at five o'clock in the morning and it's not bear season right now, but we have tons of snow and ice and whatever. And who goes for a walk about five o'clock in the morning? So all these scenarios are going through my head that maybe 
like she's being human trafficked that there's some <laughs> creepy dude on social media who's brave <laughs> enough to come up my driveway in the middle of the night to brave like and if you guys don't know my driveway it's very steep it's on the side of a mountain it's like a 150 to 200 foot drop to the bottom and there and it's all drop. ice like, right now nothing. it's all it ice right now <laughs> yeah anyways so I'm like flipping out I'm like shit I need to call Angie and I call you and you're like sorry didn't she tell anybody I'm like oh my god so I knew as soon as my phone rang I was just like oh shit because it was already like it's the second time my phone rang at like the butt crack of dawn because she called me at three and then like I knew as soon as my phone rang I was like oh shit I bet that's Polly and I'm like I have her I have her she's here I have her (laughs) oh my gosh gosh. it was so scary well because the girl our girls have gotten in trouble before for they're not allowed to have any type of social media because of the yes we're so mean and even when we have these conversations with them about, you know, the creepy people who are out there on social media and not even social media in person. And these girls, they're so into la la land sometimes that, you know, you hope that they take those warnings seriously, but, you know, they they've gotten really good at hiding their fake accounts but we're moms so we always find their fake accounts either Angie finds it or I find it because they're they're not dumb they just you know if you use your real name we will find you if you use your made-up name with the same last name we will find you if you use the name that you use in your fan fiction we will find you so, right or your oh same gosh. um your same um bitmoji or whatever that you use on everything else it's like come on well it's like their passwords they're not very creative with their passwords either oh my favorite is is, i don't thing. know my password yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well when your phone is linked to my google account guess what i know your password that's right so yes they think they're very smart when it comes to that so but if you have not talked to your children about the dangers of social media you need to do that because kids are at risk and it's very very important that if you do let them have social media I think right now are my age for Neva is probably going to be 16. Yep. If, yep. Well, it's super scary. It is. It's there are, um, there's there's entirely too many ways for people to fake who they are and I mean there's there's so many different aspects to why I don't let my kids have social media until they're older. It's like you've got You've got the fact that anybody can catfish them. Anyone can pretend that they're somebody else. Anyone can pretend that they are their age and go to their school and um, 
you know, do whatever. Like my kids have been, they're very, very wary of that because I am slightly neurotic about it. Um, and I have drilled it into their heads. You know, you don't ever leave without telling me you don't meet someone in secret. You don't, you know, like all these safety things, but it's like on top of it too. It's like, you know, I really feel like kids need a break when they come home, they need a break from school. They need a break Mm -hmm. from the drama that happens at school. They need a break from their friends. Sometimes they need, they need to have a place where they can go that's safe and giving them all that access all the time, constantly, and not being able to walk away from it is so mm-hmm. detrimental to our kids. And I, 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 yeah, I, I feel very, very strongly about that. And that's something my kids don't understand, but um, at least, at least they understand the safety part. Right. Well, and my kids, you know, one of them now that she's old enough to have access to social media, she's like, what's the big deal? Like she doesn't even use it. I think she accesses, she doesn't even access her Facebook account and her Insta account. She might access every, I don't know, once every couple of months. Yeah. I don't even have Facebook on my phone anymore. Like I very rarely go on there. I do, but it's to keep track of my very large, large family. Which makes sense. That's but I like, it. I just, I, I don't, I don't care enough. <laughs> but the amount of creepy people, and you've seen this on our social media accounts, the amount of creepy people that have slid into our DMs. Ooh, on yes. our, Ooh, so gross. Yeah. And, and none of them are original. Picture. No. no. And none of them are original. They're always like, hey, beautiful lady, what are you doing? <laughs> we don't even have a profile picture. Our logo is our profile picture. So you can I tell really, the catfishing. I really want to send like a picture of like some hairy dude to them and be like, who you called a lady? <laughs> oh my gosh. You would so do that. Too. I know. I think it would be hilarious. <laughs> It would be super funny, but then you'd probably get like a dick pic back or something stupid. Like yeah, but that. you know what? We don't want to see that. If I did, then I would find one or I would ask, I'd just be like, hey, give me a picture of your junk and then send them a different one. And be like, you can play at this game. Guess what? This one's bigger. Oh, I mean, God. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I could totally see that happening. And then it would probably spiral downhill to some really crazy and strange shit that maybe, I don't know. (laughs) All right. Um, Ooh, Angie, I found the coffee of all coffees and you're going to so nerd out on this one. (gasps) Do tell. It's called Oakland Coffee and it's by Green Day, the band. What? No. Do you have the time to listen to me? What? They do. They have a coffee yep. company. Yes, it's called Oakland Coffee. And Wait, I since ordered. When? Hang on, I'm gonna go look this up now. It's been for like ten years now. What? And it randomly, yes, and it randomly popped up on my feed, which is really weird because Green Day is one of my favorites. I listen to all sorts of music. Yeah, but me too. how did they? Was like how my have they had a year? coffee company for ten years and us not know about it? I freaking have no idea. But their swag is so awesome. 
and and dude you can get vinyl oh my gosh oh i like that hoodie too yep and i got the father of all a dark roast it's got this cute little unicorn on the package and holy shit it is oh my gosh they have such good stuff on here i love their merch okay i really need to try this coffee because if it's bad i'm gonna be sad it is and not bad. It was not intentionally love it. Oh, I really like that hoodie too. Oh my gosh. They had another coffee that. And guess what Christmas gift I'm going to buy myself? <laughs> A hoodie from Oakland Coffee. So you can get the vinyl. So I can add it to my hoodie collection. It's Have I, oh have I told you about my hoodie collection? No. I have over the last time I counted, I had 40 something and I have more now. So <laughs> I have a problem when it comes to you wear like, them it's, all. It's, yeah. It's like the only thing I wear is like hoodies and jeans. <laughs> but, well, yeah, I usually see you I in the have, summertime. Yeah. Well, even in the summer, like I wear hoodies at night, like it'd be, yeah, it's, it's crazy. I have so many freaking hoodies. I actually told Ryan that we need to um, um, make our closet bigger just so I have more room for my hoodies. It's bad. It's bad. maybe that's what I wear. Guess- but I wear all of them. Well, that's good. But maybe that's where Neva gets it from because the only thing she asked for for Christmas was hoodies. She might have seen, I don't know if she's ever been in my closet. Like I should take a picture and send it to you sometime. Like there is an entire section, a large section in my closet that is strictly hoodies. I had to like move some to a different spot because I ran, like I was having to like shove them back and try and hang the, like hang the, hang them up there. And there just, there wasn't any more room for them. That's all. That's crazy. I didn't realize that. You, I mean, I guess I didn't even notice. I've seen your Victor's pirate hoodie. Oh, I had. Um, did you hear that? I probably, boo? I did. I had probably eight or ten of those, but I've actually purged all of those from my closet. I wonder why, but we're going to get that. Mm-hmm. All right, who is our missing person for this episode, Ange? Our missing person is Kenneth Warren Hager. Hager. I'm going to say Hager. I think it's Hager. Um, so we are still doing our alphabetical order, uh, longest missing person case uh, from that state. And we are on Maryland. This one, um, he's been missing since 4 of 1947. So April 1947, April 9th to be exact, 1947. Uh, he's a white male, 11 years old. 410, 90 to 100 pounds, who's wearing a blue gray overcoat with his name and address sewn into it, a brown sweater with green figures on it, a white shirt with his name printed on it, brown trousers, gray or brown sneakers, and a navy blue and red school cap. So Kenneth uh, is mentally disabled, had severe epilepsy, was unable to talk or to take care of himself. So he wouldn't have been able to tell anybody his name, which is why his mother had sewn his name into all of his clothes. It wasn't like that weird you know, early 1940s when you had to have your name in your underwear kind of a thing. Um, He's a Caucasian male, brown hair, brown eyes. Uh, He had a scar on his head and missing front teeth. 
So he was last seen um, near his residence um, in Maryland on April 9th, 1947 at about 10 a.m. for a piece of ice, went outside to play, and then they realized that he was missing about 45 minutes later. People had randomly seen him throughout that morning. Um, like there were just several possible sightings of him in the area after he disappeared. Nothing had ever been confirmed and no one has ever heard from him again. Uh, he had gone missing two years earlier and was found by the police uh, somewhere downtown and he had burn marks on his arm and he said that a bad boy had done it. Uh, I don't know if like maybe he signed or was able to write or whatever because um, they said he was unable to talk. Um, anyway, they said that he liked to ride in cars, but that he wouldn't get into one unless he was asked to. Uh, a distant relative of the Hager family thought that he had, they had seen Kenneth uh, at Dundalk, Maryland grocery store in 1962. Nothing was ever confirmed. The person in the store wasn't identified and his case still remains unsolved. Uh, if you have any information on this case, contact the Baltimore City Police, 443-984-7385 or 410-396-2359. Uh, there's also the option of always, you know, you can always contact the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children or the Charlie Project. So yeah, he would be 87 today uh, if he was still alive. Um, but I would imagine if he's unable to speak and somebody had found him, then he'd probably be a John Doe still, which is sad. Well, and the thing is, is that there could be lots of reasons to his disappearance. Maybe someone found him and picked him up and then took him. It could be that because he was developmentally delayed, that something possibly happened to him and they never found him. Someone could have taken advantage of him. There's just yeah. so many different scenarios. Well, and during that time could too, happen. they had, yeah, during that time too, they had orphanages and they had, uh, you know, homes for children that, um, you know, were found or whatever. Um, so if he ended up far, far enough away from home, you know, he could have ended up in an institution and they just never knew, never knew who he was or where he'd come from or anything like that. That's, it's very likely, and not even that, back then they didn't have Amber Alerts. Yep. And they didn't have the communication that they have nowadays with law enforcement. Yep. And some of those but homes no too, they weren't like the greatest places like it wouldn't be anything for they them to regulated. find a kid have them there and then never say anything to anyone or never bother to do any sort of follow-up just assume that he was one of the street kids that needed a place to go or whatever right and it even with his <clears throat> name sewn into his underwear he could have also like i don't know fallen fallen somewhere um fallen into a body of water I mean there's so many things that could happen but the other thing too is that back then the not I don't want to say the stigma 
but the beliefs behind someone who was developmentally delayed, yes. you know, they were yes. considered lesser human beings back in the yes. day. It's very and true. And if something happened to someone like that, they, a lot of the times they didn't look very close. I'm not saying that that's what happened, but that's also a scenario. And even today, you know, things when you have a child that disappears, that's nonverbal or developmentally delayed or a young child that's still not at the point where they can talk. It's very hard to find them. Um, there is a case right now out of Yakima, Washington. You made a, you, you might've seen it in your feed because I've seen it here in Montana too, but there's a little boy named, let me look it up really quick. Um, oh shoot. It's not giving me all of the details. Um, it's in Yakima, Washington, and this little boy disappeared several months ago. Um, his name is Lucian Mungoya, and he was last seen in Yakima, Washington, which is about 140 miles southeast of Seattle, and he disappeared in September, on September 10th of 2022. He was five years old at the time and he's nonverbal and developmentally delayed. He, anything could happen to him. And there's also lots of bodies of water in that area. Yes. So it could, it could be that could be someone kidnapped him. Um, and it seems that a lot of young children are disappearing like crazy lately. Yeah, like it's Quentin Simon. Um, there's a couple, I think kids just, I think they disappear. I think it's just more obvious now Noticeable? because now, okay. yeah, it, it's, yeah, you know, now there's social media now, you know, there's more ways for people to get the information out. I think kids have gone missing at this rate for a long time. It's just now people are actually talking about it. And I remember all of the missing persons posters at the post office when I was a kid. Yeah. And the ones, I know that our Walmart doesn't have them, but there's a lot of missing persons posters at uh, Walmarts and post office. And there's another place that I see them quite frequently. I can't think of it off the top of my head, but you're right. Maybe it is just more noticeable now than it was then. We also have the Amber Alert, which yeah. that's only in the last couple of decades. Yep. Well, now we have Megan's Law too, where you can look up and see, you know, who lives around you kind of a thing, mm -hmm. which is terrifying to look up sometimes I mean it's good when to I know. lived when I lived in New Mexico I would look at the um I would do that quite frequently and now not so much I mean I know who my neighbors are in the two mile radius and no one's coming up my driveway without me knowing 
yeah. let's just throw Fortunately, that Fortunately, where I am, you know, it's still more secluded down here, but I can tell you right now that there are houses near mine that my kids know that if they ever need anything, they absolutely do not stop at those houses. There's, there's three within a mile from me that I know of for sure. But on the other hand too, and this is something that I learned, you know, while I was doing adult case management in New Mexico is just because someone is a, is a registered sex offender that doesn't mean a they actually did it and without knowing the circumstances behind it um people get thrown into prison for consensual unfortunately right unfortunately for stupid things like their girlfriend was 17 they didn't know the girl didn't tell them but yet her parents caused a stink and so now oh yeah yeah no like um I actually have a friend that had to register as a uh, sex offender because he um, peed in a park mm-hmm. in the middle of the night. Um, and um, they basically walked up on him and they're like, well, this is a place for kids. So now you have to register as a sex offender. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> no, but like <laughs> these ones that live near me, like I've actually looked into them and it's, you know, lewd and lascivious acts with children under you know, it lists the age ranges, which is right. horrifying. Um, but yeah. And, but without having, no, again, without knowing the actual, and this is not me protecting anyone, but without knowing the specifics, specifics of the case, you can't be 100% sure. I know yeah. of someone that has been convicted they told him if you plead guilty, then you'll only have to serve 10 years. He's like, I didn't do this. Now he's appealing his case. And basically it was a, the kids wanted to go live with their dad. And yeah. so they made false allegations. So they wouldn't have to live with their mom. Um, and I've seen that happen multiple times in the past. I had a very good friend that that, that happened to her. Um, and her case was absolutely insane. And th- she never got convicted, but these charges, her ex-husband would keep, you know, ev- every time the charges were dropped because law enforcement said they were unfounded, new allegations would pop up, even though she hadn't seen her kids in 10, you know, in over 10 years um, because he was so vindictive. So you never know. You do have to take that with a grain of salt because, you you know, yes, there are very horrible people. In fact, I have one within five miles of me um, who did serve prison time and always take those things very seriously. But on the other hand, without knowing the actual circumstances, you know, and the actual case file, you, you never know. So just, you know me, I always have to tell the other side of the story because of the work that I've done with uh, people that were in prison for so long. So I'm looking at that, seeing if there's any new ones. There is a new, oh my gosh. Well, I'm not going to look, I would rather, you know, my kids know that you don't stop between here or there. And these are the only places that you stop if you need help, which 
on our road from the fire station to here, there are no registered uh, sex offenders or anything like that. And I know everyone who lives, I mean, it's not, there's not that many houses. What is it? 10 houses between here and the fire station, 12 maybe. Gross. So. Ew. This one's incest victim under 13 years old. Blech. Oh my. But again, without knowing the specifics. Oh, I don't know who this guy is. That's slightly terrifying. Blech. Okay. Anyway. Oh my gosh. I'm looking at this. We're going to go down. Uh, yes. Cause you're going <laughs> to, I don't need to go down this out. rabbit hole. And these no, are my neighbors. This is especially awesome. this time of night, because then you're going to be awake all night thinking about it. And then you're going to be Googling. You're going to Goog it. <laughs> all right. Victim, so, seven-year-old male. Mm-hmm. Oh my nice. gosh. We're going to go down this rabbit hole. We're not going down the rabbit hole, Andy. Okay. 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 Um, all right. Last week's episode or the last episode, because we just recorded it earlier today. Um, <laughs> last week, last, whenever. It wasn't it's fine. Last week. Oh my gosh. My dog's freaking out. Hold on one sec. It's bedtime. Okay, go to bed. Bye. All I right, feel like where if you're were we? Smiling like a goofy mofo in your mugshot, like that's just not good. Do not go down the rabbit hole, Andy. Okay, so you're going to be up all night. All right. Uh, the previous episode, we basically went through the timeline. We finished August of 2021 and we're going to try to get through september october and november of 2021 we're just trying to stay on topic and within our time frame because we've been running a little over the one hour mark and we're trying really hard not to do that yeah so yawning so awkward oh my gosh (laughs) Yeah, that's too, because we do these kind of late and we're still trying to figure out the best time to do this. All right, let's start with, where were we? I put it in here. Okay, so there was a hearing on September 8th of 2021 and it was to evaluate Lori Vallow's competency. In May, she had been May of 2021, she had been deemed incompetent. And every couple of months they had to reevaluate it. So on September 8th of 2021, they reviewed her competency. And the judge stated it was unchanged. There was still a pause on her case and it would be reevaluated. I believe the timeline was 90 days from September 8th of 2021. But because of the competency and because of the huge dump of evidence that had been released by the Arizona law enforcement. um, That was a lot of stuff that they put out. Yeah. 
it was a lot. Um, I lost my train of thought. Sorry. <clears throat> no, that's okay. So on September 8th, um, the judge made a decision to, to basically extend her time in the state hospital by 180 days. So what's that? What's 180? That's 90, not 90 days. It was, what's 180 divided by 30? You know, I'm really bad at math. What is that? Six months? 80 divided by 30. I actually happen to have a calculator. It's six months. Okay. So by Idaho law, after she was first committed on June 8th to um, the state hospital, by law, the judge had to review it within 90 days of the initial commitment, which he did on September 8th of 2021. And he extended it by 180 days, which is six months. Sorry, super bad at math. Um, also on September 8th, John Pryor um, brought up that he wanted, because the initial trial was scheduled for November of 2021, he requested that it be moved and postponed further ahead. No decision was made at the time. Also, Prior filed a motion on in September of 2021 for the trials to be severed. A change of venue hearing was also scheduled that same court during those same court proceedings for October 5th and 6th for a change of venue. And then a portion of that hearing on September 8th of 2021 was sealed and off the record. Um, a new podcast, which is one of my favorites. I wish they would release more episodes, but really gets into the details of what the possible motives were. Very well researched. It's called The Followers Madness of Two. I don't know if you've listened to this one, Angie, but it was released the week of September 15th, 2021. It's six or seven episodes, and it really gets into what the motive, what the possible motivators were. They also had a bonus episode that was Lori's brother, Adam Cox. Adam is kind of the one who has been pretty honest and open about his opinions regarding Lori and this whole situation. If we backtrack to the month when Charles Vela was murdered, he and Adam had basically planned an intervention because of Lori's escalation of her fanatical ideas which did not happen because Charles was murdered. But Alex has been pretty vocal about his opinions. He's given multiple interviews. And then on September 15th of 2021, prosecutors requested additional information to see if they could basically um, get a court order to force Lori to take medications. 
which in some states, you cannot require someone to take medication. It violates their constitutional rights and their base, you know, and their basic um, rights as a human being, right? I don't know if I know that I personally think that you should not force someone to take any um, medication that it should be a choice, regardless if you think that way or not. They didn't really say why they were asking for um, if it was constitutional or not for them to request that Lori be forced medication, but it may have been something that came from the Idaho Department of Health and Welfare. And you know, some people who are having mental health issues, medication works, for some people it doesn't. I mean, what do you think, Angie? Do you think someone should be forced to take medication? No, I, um, well, I don't know. Like I would say if they are, if they're in an institution and they are a danger to themselves, um, mm -hmm. because they're hurting themselves, like they're so violent, they're hurting themselves. And yeah, I would say, I don't know how much of a medication, maybe just like sedation and leave it up to someone that has power of attorney form kind of a thing, but I think everybody should have the right to be able to say what they do and don't put in their body. Um, but, Hold on one second. All right. Good night. I love you. Go to bed. Go lay down with dad. Eli, out. Now. No, you do not. Leave the drum set alone. Oh my gosh, it's going to get super loud in here. Hold on. I love you. We are recording. You can either lay down very quietly and close your eyes, or you can lay down with daddy and the dog. All right. I love you. Good night. Usually he's in bed when we try to record. <coughs> no, I work in a mental health facility, very part-time. And even though we highly recommend that people take medications, we do not force them. We just document that they are refusing their medications. And a lot of the times it's people who are waiting for a court hearing to see if they're going to the state hospital or not. And usually, you know, someone who's not willing to take their medications, they do get committed to the state hospital. So I don't think that someone should be forced to take medications unless they want to, unless, you know, they're at risk to themselves or others. And even then, you know, if someone doesn't want to take their medication, then you shouldn't force them and you do everything in your power to ensure that they're safe. And yeah, it was the, it was the state hospital that had requested, had requested if, um, if, if an order should be made to force medication, but I believe that that order was denied. Um, if it was approved, 
Um, it wasn't released to the public. And again, there's so many sealed court hearings that we may never know if it was agreed to or not. Uh, on September 30th, the prosecution requested to sequester a jury for the Daybell trial. So at the big, like just a couple of weeks previous to that, um, it was um, there was a motion that was heard to move the trial from Madison County to Ada County. And the basically the reasons behind it, there was a lot of different reasons. It was going to be it was going to be heard in October of 2021. The prosecutors tacked on that they wanted to sequester the jury. And I trying to think back because this is like there was so much going on in September, October, November, and December. Not a lot of it was just legal stuff. And it kind of went back and forth for a minute. And my son totally made me lose track. <laughs> so Chad's lawyer requested a change of venue. The prosecutor was requesting that they either bring jurors in from another county or they sequester them or they sequester them regardless. And that was going to be all combined in the October hearing. On September 30th, also the Chandler, Arizona Police Department, they released the autopsy report for Charles Vallow. That was very eye-opening because, you know, initially they had told everyone that it was self-defense. That is what Alex and Lori had told everyone. And Arizona law enforcement, they, I'm sure they're holding on to some things, but they are notorious for just giving information to the public. Oh my gosh. And the way that they do it, it's, it's not comical, but it's kind of one of those where they're just like, yeah, we're going to call you out and all your shit. Nice try. Like just, you have no questions left when it's done other than dude, how could you be so badass? Like, <laughs> and it's I releasing, the they, they it. just released the information. There's no, uh, there's no, uh, oh, what's the word? Press. There's no press conference or nothing. They just, here you go. Here's all the documentation. And mm -hmm. even though they have redacted a lot of stuff, um, most of it, you can, you can see what's there. And when they released, and they released the full autopsy report, you can find it online. Um, but it had determined that Charles was shot twice, once in the chest and once in the stomach. Um, he had no drugs or alcohol in his body. 
and that he had been shot once when he was standing up and then the second shot when he was laying down. Uh, the autopsy, just trigger warning, if you decide to look it up and we will have a link in our show notes. Um, it is graphic. I mean, they get into all the details, trajectory, cause of death, but essentially it, all the facts are there in how he died, that he was standing when he was shot in the stomach. And then when he was flat on the ground, he was shot in the chest at close range both times. Better self-defense, you know, because, you know, you always shoot someone when they're laying down on the ground. Well, and, and, and that's the thing. That's a lot of the times when they're able to determine that it is not in self-defense. It's that second shot, right? Because if yep. someone, um, you and I talked about this, um, oh gosh, it was that Netflix documentary that you and I were talking about. It Which one? Body, I know, right? <laughs> it was the bodybuilder, though. Killer. Oh, oh, I don't remember the name of it, but I know what you're talking about. So it was the, and I'll remember it like after we're done. But it was the woman who was convicted of murdering her husband on Valentine's Day. I think it was like 1995. She yeah. had shot him in self-defense. But what got her convicted was the fact that she shot him a second time when he was like laying down. And so that's why they said it was murder because that was an, it was an unnecessary shot. He'd already been disabled. Yeah. Why reload and shoot again? And so, and there's a lot of cases like that. It's that, you know, you shoot him once in self-defense once they're disabled, do you really need the second one? And that's when it's like, okay, is it really self-defense or is it turning into murder? Are you right. intent? Is that second shot basically you're intending to kill that person? Yeah. Because once he was already on the floor, there was, if it had been self-defense, which we know it was not because this was a planned murder. Um, why would you need a second shot? And so because of the direction of the bullet, they were able to determine he was already lying on the ground when that second shot went off. And it, pun not intended, but it was the nail in the coffin pretty much to determine that this was a planned premeditated murder versus self-defense. There's a lot of text messages, emails, so much digital um, evidence that this was well-planned ahead of time. I mean, all the burner phone stuff, I think there was like five or six burner phones used in planning the murder, emails. Um, what gets me though, is it seems that there were more people involved, but um, <laughs> what? It just makes me think of, what was it uh for a while like back when you know everybody had cable there was like a a tv show and it was or it wasn't a tv show it was like a, a channel and it was basically like all true crime or like crime dramas or whatever and 
somebody goes and like crime kidnaps. TV. I don't remember what it was, but like somebody kidnaps this guy from the house and he's just like, oh, you're leaving footprints. That's evidence. And he's like cr- critiquing them as they're like dragging him out of the house. They bury him alive and then they spit <laughs> on the grave and he's all, oh, it's DNA evidence. That's all it's making me think of. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? It was like this commercial. No. For the, for, <laughs> I gotta see if I can no. find it and show it to you it was so funny because like the whole time he's got like his coffee cup in his hand and he's like critiquing him the whole time he's like oh they're gonna find fibers in here oh my hair is my hair is on the duct tape (laughs) oh my gosh oh it was hilarious you know what maybe i i think i know what you're i uh, i'm i think i know what you're you're talking about but i'm not sure so i'm I'll see if I can find it on YouTube and send it to okay. you. Okay, that would work. All right, October 5th of 2021, um, there was the change of venue hearing. Um, John Pryor, he wanted the trial moved out of Fremont County because, and he he argued that even though all of Idaho, everyone knew about this case because it was so close to home and because Fremont County is fairly small and also very close knit. He argued that a fair and impartial jury could not be found. Um, Also, it was brought up during that time and Rob Wood and Lindsey Blake, they didn't necessarily disagree in a change of venue, but they would prefer that the jurors be bussed in from another county and be sequestered. That financially for the counties and also for all of the witnesses and everyone involved, it would just be better to do it that way. So choose your jury in another county, a bigger county like uh, Ada County, and then and then just bust them in and have them sequestered. Because the estimated time of the trial was like is between two to three months um sequestering them might be a problem and the reason is is that can you imagine being stuck in a hotel room for three months having to listen to all of this stuff no tv no internet no nothing for three months that to me is kind of inhumane um (laughs) be boring and you can't talk about the case no so you, what would you do? You'd be sitting in your room doing what for three months? Um, I'd be reading, but you know. Well, not everybody reads books. We do, but not everyone else. Um, initially, Rob Wood had requested that the whole hearing be sealed and not be held in public, but John Pryor argued with that and said no, that his client had the right for the hearing to be in public and that everyone should be, or the public 
should be able to witness the hearing. Um, John Pryor's whole part of his strategy, and it's a good one, is that he wants the public involved. He wants them to know what's going on. And he's been that way from the very beginning. And we've kind of discussed that, <coughs> that um, he wants all eyes on this. And if it's because he's planning some type of grounds of appeal on that, if it goes the way he doesn't want it to go, or if um, he wants people to who are watching the case, if they do get picked as jurors, to see that he's argued that um, that he's done the best that he could for his client, that he hasn't been secret about any of the proceedings, and also, um, and we see this later on in the case that his strategy essentially is to blame Lori for everything that happened in some way or another. I mean, it makes sense. It, it does. And there were signs of that, you know, back in 2021. I have said oh. it from the very beginning that Sorry. his kids' interview, oh, it's fine. His kids' interview on 48 Hours John Pryor, I believe, encouraged them to do that because they said, as we've all heard, if you've seen the documentary, uh, their stance was that either their dad was framed or coerced into all of the murders, which I have my personal opinion on that. So Me that's too. basically it. I know, but again, everyone is innocent until proven guilty. All right, that was on, so that hearing was on October 5th? Was October 5th of 2021? Yes, that was on October 5th of 2021. And... <laughs> what two days two days after the change of venue hearing and the um request to sequester the jury arizona law enforcement released all of those videos um they were gigabytes we're not talking like little bits of video but um, tons of video footage they released to the public. It was Tylee's interview, Lori's interview, Alex's interview, um, and other documents related to specifically to the investigation into the homicide of Charles Vallow. And they continue to surprise us even in 2022. They will, they'll continue to leak information, not leak, but released to the public, it just seems that they're just very open about sharing information to the public. Yeah. And the reason, and the reason why the public should be involved is because it, uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? It's a third party, essentially, 
then make sure that the perp that the pro that the legal process and the court process that all of that goes the way it's supposed to. Kind well, of like a watchdog, you know what I mean? Yes, yeah, that's I mean, what I was looking for. I think there should and be transparency, especially absolutely in a for a lot of a lot of institutions. I mean, yeah. That's and it was initially set up that way. There should be transparency in government, law enforcement, any government entity. There should be schools. Right. <laughs> and some of the information, we're not going to talk about that. Nope. We just, nope. But nope. I agree with you. There should be transparencies and there should not be um, favoritism when it comes to children's education. And we'll leave it at that because, um, yeah, we've talked about mm -hmm. this. Um, so in some of the information that was released on that huge dump besides the uh, videos of the interviews that they had done right after Charles had been murdered, there were a lot of text messages and the infamous romance novel. Ew. I know. And I'm not going to get into details because I'm sorry. It makes me want to vomit. Suffice it to say, <laughs> it's super cringy. It is extremely it's cringy. Super cringy. Um, some of the messages, you know, Chad was calling her my goddess lover. Um, and he wrote this whole long, I think it was like a hundred page novel about him so and her in a previous gross. life. And so gross. Well, that's where his nickname Loin Fire comes from. <laughs> Did you? I'm sorry. So you, I can't. If you guys are following this case on social media at all, a lot of the times you'll see Chad being referenced with the words Loin Fire. And that was a phrase that was written in his novel. And it's very, it's very sexual in nature. Um, he, it was, that's, that's like a document no. that he said, there's certain Lori phrases that should not be used. That is one I, of them, especially if you're well, trying to be romantic. Well, apparently it <laughs> works. Ew. So, um, but he, he, I mean, I don't know if he emailed it to her cause it's digital format in July of 2019. I mean, like I said, it's like a hundred pages. Um, you can find that document online. Personally, I did I not read, read it. If I were you, I did not read it, but there are portions of it that are paraphrased and referenced online. I tried reading the first page and then I decided I didn't want to vomit. And because of my personal opinions regarding this case, I... And not even that, I don't want to read trash like that. Like, mm. it, it's trash. Yeah. Um, there was Yucky. other stuff that was released as well. There were um, interviews with Zulima. Um, she even claims that he may have tried to murder her the day after their wedding when they were in Las Vegas. 
she said that he possibly drugged her while he gave her a massage um, that he bought in some weird plastic at the hardware store. And this could be something that actually happened. Um, and she had released, she, this was in an interview that she had given to law enforcement a couple days before Alex had died. If you, if you guys remember like um, the Arizona law enforcement and Idaho, there were so many interviews between, in Arizona it was from the time that um, Charles died to when Alex died. I mean, it's just interviews all the time. And then Idaho, they were doing interviews beginning in November of 2019 and they didn't really stop. I mean, they're still re-interviewing people as needed, but so many interviews and not once or twice, but multiple times. So she gave this interview that was released to the public. You can find it online. It's, you just type in Zulima Pastenis interview and it'll pop right up on YouTube. Um, and there's been speculation that maybe Alex did try to kill her or she knew everything that was going on and she was trying to backtrack and create doubt. So I'm throwing that out there. That's the two stories I've heard. Um, even though the facts are that she has said that Alex tried to kill her. On October 8th, just a couple of days after the motion to move the case to another county and sequester the jury, Judge Boyce determined that the trail would be moved out of Fremont out of Fremont County. And I don't remember, he didn't state what county it would be in, but there's a lot of logistics when it comes to something like that. Um, Idaho is kind of spread out and Boise had been mentioned at the time, which is about a four hour drive from the area of Rexburg, but Boyce felt that it would be best if it had been moved, that it would be moved out of county. And uh, trying to think, there was, see there's a little bit more um we talked we already talked about that um just more and more and more stuff was being released to the public by the Arizona Police Department and um you know as reporters and other agencies were going through it, it just continued to be, um, it just kept hitting the news. Again, there was so much information in that drop. And then a audio recording was released 
from Chandler, Arizona. It's the infamous call of Chad to the funeral home just hours after Charles died. And the Chandler, Arizona Police Department, they've said that they just don't have enough information, even with that recording, that Chad had, he may have known about the murder, but they don't believe that he planned it. And if they went to trial, they couldn't guarantee that they would have, you know, enough evidence and proof to prove that he did it. <coughs> At the end of October of 2021, the Idaho Supreme Court approved the move of Lori and Chad's trial to Ada County, which is in Boise, or Boise is in Ada County, and it's a four-hour drive, and you'll see that more, there's going to be a trial, or not a trial, it's going to be a motion later on requesting that it not be moved because of all of the issues behind that. On October 21st of 2021, another status conference was held for Lori and Chad behind closed doors. It was a closed hearing and was sealed. So no one knows what that hearing was about, even though they have been um, since, October of this year, they have now been sealing all of those uh, court hearings correctly, basically saying why they're sealing it before instead of just like, oh, I'm sealing it with um, no reason behind that. At the very end of October of 2021, the whole fiasco of Mark Means and um, there was a huge fiasco that involved a therapist with the Idaho State Hospital, Mark Means, who was still Lori's lawyer at the time, and some LDS lawyers. So apparently a therapist, and I don't know how much of this is correct, but according to the court hearing, was that Lori's therapist had told her, had given her homework to reach out to lawyers for the Mormon church to help her in her case. They contacted her lawyer immediately because A, and they also contacted Rob Woods, A, because this is a current uh, legal battle, and B, the church does not involve itself in any legal anything for private parties. Um, Mark Means wanted to subpoena anyone and everyone, including the state hospital, and things got very vicious. I don't know if this actually happened, but Mark Means basically said that um, the Idaho Department of Health and Welfare were trying to manipulate Lori and manipulate the court system by making her reach out to the Mormon church. 
I don't know if that was the case. Um, any information regarding that was in a sealed hearing. And then at the very end of October, um, a phone call was released on October 28th of 2021. It was a phone call that was released um, between a detective and Alex Cox's ex-wife. So Zulima wasn't his only wife. He had another wife previously. Her name has pretty much been well kept out of the public. We're not going to release it. You want to go dig? Great. But she's trying to really disassociate herself from this family because she stated that they creeped her out. And um, she told the detective that Alex and Lori had a very strange and bizarre relationship, even sexual in nature. No one knows if that's true or not. That was just the details in the recorded interview, but it was recorded and Arizona law enforcement, they released it to the public. <coughs> yeah. And I think that speculation was kind of already there before she even, you know, put a voice to it that their relationship was weird. Yeah. And when it comes down to like, weird sexual I mean is it sexual abuse is it I don't like to really get into that just because if she is a victim of she or him are a victim of sexual assault from a sibling because again it can go either way or it could be some weird creepy I don't I don't even ugh, ugh. Um, there's absolutely something wrong. So if there is truth behind it, which there are other people who've said that these things did happen, it's not just Alex's um, first ex-wife or his ex-wife. He has an ex-wife and a widow. Um, it would explain a lot, but then again, these are all allegations being made and one of the parties that has these allegations made against him is dead. So it could all be rumor. No facts behind it. So you never know. So. All right. That is it for this episode. And next episode is going to be November and December of 2021. And there's even, let's see. There are a lot of things that happened in that time frame, and we're trying to get through January of 2022 as well. It seems like we're only getting through two or three months at a time, but the we probably have, uh, I want to say, five episodes left before we get completely caught up on this case, and it's just updates until the trial, which... Um, Lori is again deemed competent. The trials will not be severed. The January 2023 trial was vacated and there is a hearing set for December 8th or 9th. It's a status conference and that's pretty much all we know right now. And that's it. Anything you want to add, Ange? Mm. No, I don't think so. All right. Don't forget to rate, subscribe, follow. 
you can find us on social media at hot crime cold coffee and that's it see you till next time bye